Hello, I'm Philip Sales. In this video, I'll be interviewing Stephen Law's first parliamentary council about pre-legislative scrutiny of bills and the role of parliamentary council as a bill progresses through parliament. Stephen, what is pre-legislative scrutiny of bills? It's the process, the parliamentary process, to which draft bills are subjected. Uh, draft bills are published by the government, often for public consultation. And uh, as part of the public consultation, uh, the bill will be sent to a select committee or a joint committee of both houses to be considered uh, as a draft, and the committee will then make recommendations on, uh, on changes to it. So um, it's quite common for some bills to be published, say, in the spring. Uh, there will be a three-month consultation on their contents, and during that period, uh, a select committee or often the departmental select committee or the joint committee uh, a joint committee of both houses will consider the bill, uh, will call witnesses, uh, will examine the policy and will issue a report. And are you involved in pre-legislative scrutiny? Well, in the sense that we, we draft the bill for publication just as we would draft a, a bill for a presentation to Parliament. Uh, so we draft the bill. Uh, we are sometimes involved with the department in the consultation uh, process and the parliamentary process in that we will be asked questions about our drafting. Uh, and then after the uh, consultation process and the pre-legislative scrutiny has taken place, we will then be uh, involved in revising the bill to take account of the uh, comments made in the public consultation and in the select committee or the joint committee. How is a bill introduced in Parliament? Um, most bills uh, are introduced um, in the Commons by notice. Uh, the the Minister gives notice uh, on day one and the bill is then presented uh, to Parliament by the Minister the following day uh, and sometimes it's published that day and magically immediately after he's presented it or sometimes it's uh, published the following morning. In the House of Lords uh, uh, the Minister introduces the bill on a particular day and it is published the following uh, morning. And what determines whether a bill is introduced in the House of Lords or the House of Commons? Uh, well, that's a political decision for the Parliamentary Business and Legislation Committee. Uh, generally speaking, most bill, bills that are politically um, highly controversial will be introduced into the Commons first. Uh, the Commons has uh, a privilege in relation to financial matters, so finance bills are always introduced into the House of Commons, and any bill that dealt with a substantial financial issue um, that involved government expenditure or taxation you would expect to be introduced into the House of Commons. Uh, and then there are political considerations because the government wants to get all its legislation through within the session. Uh, it will need to introduce some bills in the House of Lords early on uh, in order for them to pass the House of Lords and then move to the Commons while the bills that were introduced in the Commons have passed the Commons and then can move to the Lords. So uh, there are different considerations there. What are the main differences in parliamentary procedures if you start in the House of Commons or in the House of Lords? Well, the, there are different stages for the bills in the two houses in the sense that all, all bills in both houses are subjected to a, a first reading which is formal, a, a second reading which is uh, a debate on the principles of the bill, a committee stage when um, the bill is gone through clause by clause and amendments can be moved, uh, a report stage which follows on the committee stage um, and is another opportunity to amend the bill and a third reading. 
The differences are that in the House of Lords, almost all bills have their committee stage on the floor of the House, uh, whereas in the House of Commons, most bills go to a, a committee in a committee room uh, with a limited number of members for their committee stage. The other difference is that in the House of Lords, it is possible to move uh, more substantial amendments on uh, third reading. So that's an extra amending stage in the House of Lords. Whereas in the Commons, uh, it, it is rare or, or almost never happens for a bill to be amended on third reading. It would only be a sort of verbal correction uh, for a, a bill to be amended on third reading. Do Parliamentary Council have a role in advising the government on parliamentary procedure? Yes, we do. Uh, there are a number of issues that um, quite often arise. Uh, there are some very technical issues, uh, such as the, the rules of hybridity. Um, the rules of hybridity are, involve questions about whether a, a government bill should be subjected to the procedure uh, that applies to, to private bills, bills promoted in Parliament by private individuals, such as, or, or by local authorities or other bodies. Is that a more onerous procedure? Yes, it is much, much more onerous onerous because it requires the bill uh, to be uh, committed to a select committee and at the select committee uh, people with an interest in the bill uh, can instruct counsel and um, representations can be made. Uh, the private bill procedure is uh, designed to protect private interests uh, and if a government bill affects private interests in a way that um, don't deal with individuals or other, other persons uh, in a, as a class but deals with them personally, uh, then it would need to be uh, dealt with under the private bill procedure. So how do you draft to avoid hybridity? Well, generally speaking, all, all government bills are designed with, with dealing with people in, in, in a class. Um, you know, they're designed with people in general. But occasionally a bill will affect a, a limited number of people and then the question will arise whether or not um, it, it, it's um, dealing with them as a class or, or as individuals. What other sorts of issues regarding procedure would you advise on? Well, financial procedure um, in particular, there, there are um, a number of procedures, particularly in the House of Commons, uh, around uh, bills that give rise to public expenditure and to um, bills that, um, that impose a charge on the people, a taxation, in other words. And then there is the issue, as between the House of Lords and the House of Commons, about whether the House of Commons' privileges in relation to financial matters have been infringed by what's been done in the House of Lords. So those sort of questions, questions about the scope of amendments as well. Who eventually decides if there is an issue about a, a point of procedure? Well, the, the, the procedures are different. In the ha House of Commons there is, of course, the Speaker, who is the ultimate uh, decider of all questions of procedure in the Commons, and he is advised by the House officials... Uh, in the House of Lords, th there is no speaker. Well, there is a speaker, but the speaker doesn't have the power to decide procedural questions. It's the House itself that decides, very often on the advice of the leader of the House and the House officials, who will instruct the leader of the House, not as a minister, but as, as the leader of the House, to um, tell the House what the correct procedure is. What sort of relationship do you have with the officials of Parliament? We have a very close relationship with them because uh, we are both working on uh, bills and uh, the, the government's business and Parliament's business can only uh, work if we cooperate and um, exchange uh, information on a, a frank basis. On the other hand, uh, the government is our client and their client is the House, so we need to maintain that uh, separation 
uh, but we work with them to ensure that the, the business of the house is conducted in the way that the house would wish it to and the government too. What is your role when a bill is passing through the various stages in Parliament? Uh, well, we, we advise on the procedural matters we've already talked about, but we also draft all government amendments, uh, and those may be government amendments that the government wants to promote in order to, to change the bill or because it's, it's um, decided that it will um, respond to a, a, a comment on the bill in a particular way, uh, or they may be uh, uh, amendments that are necessary because... Um, the, house, uh, the House has carried an amendment against the government and the, the, the government has accepted that and needs to accommodate the amendment within the structure of the bill. What happens when the opposition wants to introduce an amendment? What role do you have then? Well, we don't, we don't have any role, certainly not in its drafting. Um, we would have a role uh, in the House of Commons because in the House of Commons the chairman of, um, the, chairman of the committee or the speaker uh, will decide, first of all, how to group amendments and also whether there are amendments that are out of order or which should not be selected. And we deal on the government's behalf with the House officials on the grouping and selection of, of amendments. What are the different sorts of opposition amendments you encounter? Uh, well, the, I, I think there are, uh, are two main sorts of opposition amendments. Uh, there are amendments that are put down in order to probe, effectively in order to provide an opportunity to ask a question. Now that, that was much more common um, a few years ago. Uh, I, I think now, uh, certainly in the House of Commons, bills go to a public bill committee where there's an evidence-taking session. And there's much more opportunity for members to ask questions without devising amendments in order to trigger questions. And then there are uh, amendments that are there to propose changes to the, the policy of the bill, um, and that then need to be considered in the context of a, a political discussion. Well, in what circumstances does the government seek to introduce amendments? Well, I, 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 I think there are three sorts. There are the technical amendments. Uh, in one of our earlier discussions, I talked about um, the snagging that is necessary once a bill's been introduced just to, to, to bring everything together into a coherent structure. Uh, then there are amendments to respond to concessions or to comments that have been made uh, outside the House uh, in order to improve the policy. And sometimes the government will think again on a subject um, without being prompted to do so uh, and will want amendments. Or sometimes when bills deal with a number of topics, uh, the, the government will wish to add something, sometimes in response to events that are happening outside Parliament. And what is your role in drafting or dealing with government amendments? Well, well we draft all of them and we, um, uh, we prepare them in much the same way that we prepare the bill in the first place on the basis of instructions from the department. And how much time do you have to deal with opposition and government amendments? Well, although there are fixed stages between bills as they go through, the, they seem to be quite short intervals when you've got to draft amendments in them. Uh, so... Normally you have less time to draft amendments than you do in the sort of initial preparation stage. To what extent do you find that the process of amendment in Parliament undermines the elegance or consistency of the drafting produced by the expert draftsman in your office? I, d I don't think it does at all. I mean, partly, of course, because we're, we're drafting almost all the amendments that get passed. Um, there is a, a, a slight difference in the later stages of a bill, uh, which is... Um, it, it's much more common in the later stages of the bill to have to produce words that uh, produce a compromise, um, whereas uh, 
I think in the early stages of the bill, the drafter tends to be uncompromising and to say that there is only one uh, answer to every uh, proposition and you need to decide what it is and then draft it. Uh, in the later stages, of course, political considerations sometimes uh, come into play. Is there anything you can do to try to keep the drafting of an amendment coherent and consistent with the other parts of the bill and its general scheme? Well, I, I think the most important thing, actually, is to draft the, the bill in the first place to accommodate the fact that there are going to be some areas of policy that will be affected by debate in Parliament and to not to make the structure so tight that you need to pull the whole bill apart in order to amend it. Do you have a very different approach to drafting long, complex legislation as opposed to short bills? Um, well, not consciously, but I, 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 I suppose um, it, it's... Uh, possible with long complex legislation that breaks itself down into different parts to, to use different drafters for different bits of it. So th that requires a degree of coordination that you don't need if you've got a, a nice neat ten clause bill that's being drafted by one person and he can keep it in his mind the entire, in his or her mind for the entire time. What Act of Parliament which you have drafted do you feel most pleased with and, and why? Well that's a very difficult question. Um, I think quite a lot of the things that I'm most pleased with, I'm pleased with because we we managed to do them at all. Uh, so um, I, I worked on a, a, a bill which went through the House of Lords and the House of Commons um, and it was passed between the two all through a, a night and the following day. And uh, at each stage it was amended and each immense layer of amendments uh, um, was drafted on top of the the previous layer, and when I read it at the end, I thought it made sense, and I thought that was pretty remarkable. Um, Which act was that? Uh, that was the Prevention of Terrorism Act 2005. Um, a, a, another act I, I worked on indirectly, because it was being done by a, a team that was working with me, um, was the St Andrews Agreement Act 2007, and I have a certain pleasure in, in that act, because that is the act that, uh, in order to secure devolution in um, Northern Ireland uh, deemed a uh, uh, reference in an act to three days in March to 2007 as uh, references to three days in May 2007, um, which um, had the result of postponing a lot of things that nobody wanted to happen for three months until an agreement was reached. So, so playing with the calendar. Uh, playing with the calendar, yes. I think, what? I think someone called it the TARDIS Act. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you find is the most demanding aspect of your job? Uh, I, I think it's, it's um, trying to cut the Gordian, to, to find the way to cut the Gordian knot. Very often one's presented with an enormous amount of complexity. And the, the difficult bit, but also the most enjoyable bit, is to find the way through it so that you can um, come up with a nice, simple solution to a, a very complex problem. Stephen Laws, thank you very much.